you may be seated as we are going to get started. Hey, it is a good day. I woke up telling myself that at 530 this morning when I woke up. You know, one of those nights where you just toss and turn because there's so much on your mind. And I think Pastor probably experiences that a lot. And I got that little taste of that last night. And uh, man, I'm excited. My name is Brian. I am the creative pastor here. And Pastor, if you were on, uh, at, on Talk It Out Tuesday, you got the inside scoop on what Pastor was doing this week. I'm not going to tell you. You just got to join us on Talk It Out Tuesday. Hey, go watch it online. Anyways, no, he was in Utah. I'm going to tell you. Okay. He was in Utah enjoying a little, little time away. But man, I'm, I'm bringing the message today. And we've been in this whole series and looking about uh, uh, these talks, looking at our worldview. And um, a few weeks ago, we looked at, you know, why are we here, where we come from? Like, what, what is the purpose of life? And the second question, uh, last week, Pastor actually talked about what is the problem with this world? And this week, I want to talk about a little bit about what the problem is, because I have an example for you. But I also want to go into, okay, so what are we supposed to do now? How are we supposed to live now that we've identified the problem? And so if you want to go with me here today, uh, I kind of want to just, it's going to be a lot of scripture today. A lot, of, I hope you like scripture. <laughs> yeah, you know what, when, when, the, when the pinch hitter is in, you just go to the scripture, you know what I'm saying, because the scripture, you can't go wrong with the scripture, and so when I began to read this week, and study, and, and really look at the book of Romans, if you, anybody just love the book of Romans, when you read Romans 1 through 8, oh my gosh, I want to give you a little context about Romans, see Paul was actually wrote Romans to the church in Rome, and at this time, uh, the Gentiles were actually, um, when he wrote it, were the ones that were uh, doing church. And um, the Jewish, the Jews were kicked out of Rome. And they were brought back into Rome once a new emperor came in. And so now there's this fighting between the Jews and the Gentiles. They're going, look, I can't even sit across the table with you because we don't agree on what to eat. And that's what Paul's addressing in Romans. He's getting down to the core tenets of like, what is important? You guys are fighting over food? Are you serious? And so Paul's writing this letter to the Romans. And so if you have your Bible, you want to turn to Romans right now. But we're going we're gonna to get into it. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt helpless? Ever? I've, I've talked about it a few times here when my daughter had a, a seizure. Her fever got too high, had a seizure. She's there shaking in my arms and I don't know what to do. That's, I felt helpless as a dad. There's another time where uh, one of my daughters was sitting on the bench in our uh, kitchen and she's playing with the box and her foot slips and she falls off and hits her head in the back and she goes limp. I felt helpless. But there's also another situation in 2004, me and Pastor Brent, we took a trip to India called Kata. And I remember specifically because it was so, I felt so helpless. We were in this plane. And this was right after, you understand, 2004, this, right after 2001, which is 9-11, right? And we jump on this plane, and the culture, I'm, I'm, I'm American, and the culture's different. And so I'm already freaking out, because they're passing alcohol like it's, like it's water. Do you remember that? Like, alcohol is going down on the plane. And people are reaching over to grab the Heineken. It's just crazy. And so when we get up into the air, we're flying from Bangkok to, to Kolkata, India, and we get up in the air, and I have never experienced turbulence like this in my life. To a point where I look at my dad, who said he was a, he was a pilot before I was born. He said he was, like a, he was studying to be a pilot. I look at my dad, and my dad's looking at the window. I'm looking at the window at the wings. And the wings look like they're flapping like a bird. I'm not joking. 
Like the wing should not flex like that. And I look at my dad and my dad has a worried look on his face. And if you know anything about me, I get worried immediately. Like, are you serious? It's all over. Like somebody passed me a drink right now because I've never had one. And I think I need one right now. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what I felt. I started processing. I'm never going to talk to my girlfriend at the time anymore. I'm not going to be able to live life. Oh my gosh. Helpless. You know the beauty of that moment, though, that, 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 that does for you? You know the beauty of any time in life where you get to this place where you feel helpless? What is, what is the beauty of it? On the other side of it, life becomes full and rich. It's amazing how clear life becomes when you realize that we are all helpless in this life. See, see, see when I walk through situations and I realize that there's nothing that I can do to change the outcome. Guess what? I start treating my wife differently. I start being more honest in my conversations. Why? Because there's beauty in life. I don't want to hold anything back. And that's where, the, that's where I want to get to in the scripture today. I want us to get to a point where we can look at the scripture and know that we can't save ourselves. And so we tend to value and appreciate life in moments a whole lot more when we can look at life through the lens that, man, it, it, life is beautiful. God's given us this gift of life. And that at any moment, it can be gone. And sometimes I think in life, we take for granted the beauty of salvation. And I want to talk about that today. So we've all experienced this. Maybe you haven't experienced like a, a specific like life-threatening, but maybe you've, maybe you've been in a workplace and your, job show, your, your boss showed you mercy because you should have been fired. But you, you, you got to keep the job because why? Your boss loved you and, and he kept you in that relationship. He's like, no, I, I believe in you. I, know you. I know you let me down. Maybe you've experienced in, in, in some way, maybe some of you, uh, a teacher or, or a coach that should have just kind of like gave up on you, didn't give up on you. Maybe some of you, uh, your spouse should have left you because you wronged them. But you've been given grace. Maybe a friend should have turned on you. Maybe, you. maybe you weren't a good friend, but your friend stuck with you. See, I think we've all experienced this, like, I don't deserve this grace that you're giving me. At some, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's way more extreme than others. Sometimes it's just, man, the grace that my children give me when I'm not a good dad. But other times it's my wife giving me grace when I'm not a great husband. So I want to turn into scripture and, and, and look at Isaiah 64. And at this time, I, can we get up? Derek's going to come to the stage. But I, I want to kind of give us an example. Come on, give it up for Derek for a second here. Derek, you look nice today. See, Derek, I want you to, to, to listen to the scripture very closely. It says this, Isaiah 64, 6. It says, we are unfit to worship you. Each of our good deeds is merely a filthy rag. We dry up like leaves, our sins, our, our storm winds sweeping us away. This scripture is telling us Pastor talked about last week how sin is our problem. Sin is our problem. And so we inherited this sin from who? Somebody say Adam. If there's an Adam in the room, just look at Adam and say, thank you, Adam. It's not you, but thank you, Adam. So we inherited this, this sin. So Derek, you got an inheritance, bro. This is your inheritance. We're going to clean that up. That's what, that's what we inherited. Derek, I want you to, to stick your hands in your inheritance, the sin, and I want you to clean yourself off with that. 
Go ahead and stick your hands in there, bro. Like, get them. Yeah, we could. So sin is our problem. Derek, clean yourself, bro. Clean it. Like, no, get it. No, get, no, get it off. All... Do you see what's happening here? See, sin is our problem. Derek is trying to fix himself. See, we can walk into church. We can put on our best clothes. We can show up to church and think that, man, we got it all together. And, and the, but the Bible says that my righteousness, me carrying that righteousness in myself is like filthy rags to God. So what does that mean? That's, that's depressing. I don't know about you, but that's depressing. Why? Because that means I can't fix myself. I can't take that weight of Jesus and go, well, I'm, I'm my own savior. I can fix myself because all I do is I just get more messy. <laughs> and, and guess what? You can't show up to heaven looking like this. Because what does the Bible say? That sin is, God hates sin. You can't show up to a holy place looking like that with sin on you. So where we find ourselves, come on, give it up for Derek for a second. Hey, Derek. So where do we find ourselves today? I want you to turn to somebody and say, just, just look at him and say, sinner. <laughs> sinner. Yeah, I want you to feel that. Sinner. I'm judging you right now, sinner. All of us. We're going to look at the scripture. He's going to say all of us. So number one, number one I, the point today that we have to understand is I am guilty. Say that I am guilty. You're guilty. If you were to stand before the judge today without Jesus Christ, you are guilty. Guilty as charged. Let's turn to the scripture in Romans 3.10. And, and, and when we go to the scripture, I'm going to read it, but I want us to feel the heaviness of this. So I'm going I'm I'm to move this chair. But just go with me for a second. Just, just listen to the scripture. Romans 3.10. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away and all have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. <laughs> they have no fear of God at all. See, obviously the law applies to those whom it was, it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. And it's to show the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. I just want to sit for a moment. Can we take that in? Can we digest that a little bit? Okay, out of that. <laughs> the point, though, is this. 
until we can get a clear revelation of what the scripture just told us there, we can't live on the other side of our sinfulness. See, when I have this understanding of how wretched I am and how much I'm a sinner in need of a savior, until I can get a clear revelation, as pastor says, know the truth so you can stand up for the, stand against the lies know when the lies are spoken if i don't have a clear revelation that i'm a sinner in need of a savior a sinner found by grace see how much more is a person elated to find to finally find out that jesus christ paid the price for all of their sins especially if the weight of their sin is is big. See, I believe, you know, I, I was speaking the scripture to my wife last night, and I believe my wife was put into my life because she was literally an angel sent on an assignment from God to say, go take care of Brian. He's going to need you. I don't think she does, does any wrong. I honestly, I'm like, I don't, she's never selfish. No, I can't, I can't say never, but most of the time she's not selfish. Like my wife, is that her righteousness is as filthy rags to the Lord, who I believe she is an angel sent from heaven. But it's as filthy rags to the Lord. And so what do we do? That's depressing. If we left here today just reading that scripture, you'd leave here going, why even try? I, I have this sin problem. I have this sin nature. And so the end of that scripture, it says, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purposes to keep us away from having excuses and to show the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. I love this last scripture. This is what Jesus came to do. The law is simply to show us how sinful we are. When we're to look at the law, I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. You can talk about the, the, the Jewish laws that they had. All those laws are to do is to look to, for us to look at our lives and go, we are not measuring up. And guess what? We will never measure up. But what we do as Christians, we try to fix, like Derek's doing, we try to fix ourselves. We try to be our own God and save ourselves by being better, doing better things. Man, if I, if I just show up to church more, I'm, God's going to save me. If I just read my Bible more, God will save me. No, that's works-based. If I stop cussing, God will save me. No, that's works-based. See, if I take my focus on my sin, if I put my focus on my sin, where, what's the motivation for me to come out of my sin? It's just beating myself up. What do the counselors tell you when you go to the counselor and they say, you're dealing with anxiety, depression? What do they say? Go serve somebody. Stop focusing on yourself. Stop focusing on your problems. Stop focusing on how you feel. And start serving others. Because if you can get out of yourself and live for others, you'll come out of it. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what God's saying. Number two, Jesus took the punishment. Romans 21 through 28 says this. Verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And, is, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who, who we are. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned. Say everyone. I don't care what label you put on yourself. I don't care if, you, if, you, if you're uh, Hispanic. I don't care if you're African. I don't care if you're, you label yourself as a, uh, whatever label you want to give yourself. Depressed. All have sinned. All have sinned. My wife, who's the angel, has sinned. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And that is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows us that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Did you guys hear that? God being the ultimate judge, sovereign. We all have these questions. Well, what, what happened to the people before Jesus? Well, God was sovereign. You just read that scripture? That, that scripture spoke to me because I always had that question. Like, well, what about the people before Jesus? What did the scripture just say? God held back and didn't punish those because he's sovereign. He cares more than I do. Isn't it funny how the ultimate sin is Adam wanted to have the knowledge of God and yet still here today, you pastor asked, well, why don't we have faith? Because some of us in this room can't get over the fact that we can't, we ha- that we don't have to rationalize and understand everything in life because faith is believing in something that you can't see or prove. And a matter of fact, some of you atheists, if you're in the room, you actually have faith. You don't realize it because you believe something came from nothing. That takes faith. How does something come from nothing? There's faith there. Now, I, I'm just under this belief that's, that God actually created something from nothing. <laughs> I digress. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life in the shedding of his blood. Sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Verse 26, for he was looking ahead, including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. What's the, what's the key point here? Your righteousness, it's not depending on your works, it's depending on your faith in Jesus. Oh, that's easy, pastor. I just have to have faith. Okay, yeah. Why, why have you been beating yourself up? over failing constantly and letting your faith be on this emotional roller coaster. Oh, I'm really good because I haven't sinned. Really? Like, did you, did you think you lost your salvation because you've been struggling? Well, welcome to the party. We all struggle. See, the beauty of what Jesus did in his righteousness, when we have faith and belief that Jesus died on the cross for us, guess what it does for us? Instantly justifies us. We call that justification instantly justified. It's like taking Derek's shirt off and giving him a brand new white shirt and saying, the moment that you say, I have faith in the son that, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And God gives you, God gives you his, 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 his attire to wear to the party. He replaces this muddy thing that you cannot do anything to get rid of. He, he gives you a new shirt and says, show up in that row. You're going to look good in that. Oh shoot. That's like my wife. She said, show up wearing this shirt today. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Thank you. That's what God does for us. You don't have to wear, worry about what you have to wear to the party. See, God, God takes that nastiness. And the beauty of this is when you stand before God, the, the, some people say, man, oh, man, Old Testament is gangster, man. Some people say that, like, Old Testament people get shot. You know, it's like, okay, well, really? What about New Testament when Jesus says that every idle word you speak will be held to account? And I'm not talking about your, the conversations with your wife. I'm talking about the conversations in the locker room when you're a high schooler. That conversation. I'm talking about what you did, said, 
Some of you, Old Testament's gangster. Jesus in the New Testament said, look, you think, you think, okay, you think you're going to get into heaven by works. Okay. Well, every idle word. Oh, have you committed adultery in your heart? Oh yeah. I don't, I haven't had committed adultery. I haven't, I haven't cheated on my wife. Oh really? Have you committed adultery in your heart? That's what we're talking about. Who can ever measure up? And that's the whole point Jesus is trying to say is he knows our human nature is to try to work for things. And if we can get the concept that we don't work for it, that it's a free gift and that requires faith. Oh my gosh, that is the age old question. Why did God send Jesus? Why couldn't he just tell us that he was God and that we could prove it scientifically? So all of us that are, have that rational brain can just go, yep, I believe it because science proved it. You know, there's this theory out there that says, because we can't prove that God exists is the very proof that we need that God exists. Does that make sense to you? That makes sense to me because here's the deal. See, if God was, if God was so clumsy that he allowed himself to be discovered scientifically, then why would we need faith? Why would we need it? There's something about this faith question that God's wanting us to go, hey, I'm more interested in having a relationship with a God that I, I, that I need faith to interact with him. There's something about it. There's something about faith that I'm, I'm still, as a pastor, I'm trying to understand. God, why, didn't you, why can't you just let me, I want to prove to you that, everybody, that you exist scientifically. I want, to, I want to be able to study it. I want to be able to say, here's how God exists. But that's not how he works. See, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to rationalize. I'm trying to reason with you and everyone and myself and go, well, because I have enough evidence now, that's why I believe. No, no, no. There's a faith requirement that's required. And it says that your righteousness is, people, righteousness is uh, lived out through your faith. It says the righteous live by faith. So it takes faith. And if you can't get past that, if you can't get past it, let me tell you something. Life is going to be challenging for you. I'm telling you from experience. I've dealt with that. I've dealt with this. Well, God, I, I want to know. I want to know. And he's saying, Brian, come and experience me. Come and, and be with me. See, I'm just convinced the more you're, the more that you get focused on, one, that you're sinful. But number two, that you don't gain salvation through your own righteousness, but you take on his righteousness. See, it says that he was the punishment for our sin. I'm going to read that. Jesus took the punishment. Verse 27 of Romans 3 says this, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. I don't know about you, but that is so freeing. When, I when you talk about living a free life, some of us go, well, man, Christians, you just have all these rules. I have a buddy that I, that I play games with, and he told me yesterday, he's like, and, and if Kyle's in the room, he can testify because I had him on speaker. He's like, yeah, I'm going up to the club tonight. And I've been, I've been talking to this guy for five years. But he said back to me, he said, are you jealous? It's like, jealous of what? That I, I get to go out to the club. I was like, what? Why would I be jealous of that? He said, well, because you're a Christian. You can't do those things. I said, man, you have a, that's, a, that's the opposite way of I think. <laughs> like, you're thinking totally different. See, Jesus, Jesus came to give me life and life abundantly. And just because I don't go and, 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 and fulfill every sinful desire I have doesn't mean I'm not living life. Actually, the fact that I deny myself, I have more life in my life. I live more of my life. And so, he, so for me, 
when I have conversations, and I think that's what we're here for. I think that's why we're, we exist, is to have conversations with our friends like that, where I can go, man, that's, that's different. I mean, yeah, go to the club. And I, and I gave him some father advice. It's like, hey, man, don't get wasted. He's like, I'm going to get wasted. <laughs> okay. Um, get an Uber. <laughs> we already got an Uber. Like, he's just, but isn't that the beauty of what I believe that we're here, here to do? See, I can't even remotely begin to speak into his life if I actually believe that I'm missing out on something. <laughs> he doesn't even think he has a sin problem. I know I have a sin problem. He's living for a secular worldview, which is to please himself. I'm living to please God. This doesn't make me better. It just, we have different values. We have different priorities in life. Some of us have tried that road, and where'd you get? Nowhere. You, you, because you get to a point where like everything becomes a lie. Oh, I'm going to try to save myself and oh, I've done all this bad things and it led to all this bad stuff. And so now I got to fix things and it's not fixable. <laughs> Romans four thir- or Romans three thirty one. So it says, well, then if we emphasize faith, so if you go over this camp and you just go, well, it's all about faith. If we emphasize faith, Does this mean we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So faith is just because I'm working things out, just because I'm justified with God. God gave me a new shirt. God gave me a clean shirt. I accepted his righteousness. Doesn't mean I can just just walk and trample over his grace. No, if I can just focus on his love. So if my wife does something for me and it's out of a true act of love, do you think that motivates me to serve her or or, or distracts me or or stops me from wanting to, to serve my wife or lay down my life for her? It motivates me. The other night, Jacqueline has migraines, and I just, for five minutes, I put my fingers on her ankle. Apparently, there's a pressure point there. And I'm just sitting there just like staring at her. You're so beautiful. With my fingers on her ankle. You would have never known what that meant to her. The other night, um, I could tell she had a busy day at work. And I went the extra mile cleaned all the dishes, cleaned everything in the house. She likes to go to bed with a clean house. She likes it all done. She went to put Jack to sleep. I'm like, yeah, I got a plan here. This is what's going to go down. (laughs) Clean the entire place. What was Jacqueline's response to me? Love. Love. What is our response to Jesus? When I start to focus on how horrible I am, does that motivate me to become better? No. No. When I focus on how good he is, my response, this is what we're talking about, the law. See, if I focus on him, my response is to obey the law. I just want to do what's right in your eyes, God, because I, I don't deserve it. I love you so much. You're good. Thank you, God, that you are patient because I am not. Thank you, God, that you do not covet because I covet. Thank you, God. I'm going to take on your righteousness, God, because my righteousness is filthy. If I start thinking, come on, somebody, if we can just put ourselves in a place where we just wake up in the morning and say, thank you, God, that you've given me life today because I don't deserve this life. Thank you, God, that you've given me influence in my workplace because, man, our world is, is dying and going to a place. I got to put myself in that position. But if you don't have, if you don't even think you need a savior, you're walking around like that kid that, that has the blessing, but don't know they have the blessing. Oh, and that kid is annoying. 
Nobody likes that kid. Oh, you don't even know what you got. You're just trampling all over the grace. You've lost sight of what you have. How many of us Christians today could say you've lost sight of what you have? I think the beauty of being, being, a, being introspective, being a person that, that is living from this place of needing a savior is that you're able to live a life of meaning. Because I'm constantly going, God, I don't deserve this. I'm just, I'm just happy to be at the table, God. And he, God can use somebody like that. God can't use somebody that thinks they saved themselves. That because their, their, their righteousness saves them. They're walking around like, oh yeah, I got this. It's a hard time using that person. Because that person doesn't need God. They save themselves. Romans 4, verse 13, it says, Clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. faith. Come on, let's say that together. Comes by faith. faith. God's promise is only for those who, who obey the law. Then faith is not necessary. If, if God, sorry, missed that word. It's a key word. If God's promises is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary. And the promises is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. Verse 16, so the promise is received by faith. It is, a given, it is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. See, Abrahamic faith is a faith that gets stronger by age. Abraham's faith is, a, is the type of faith that we need to have. You know why, you know why I'm saying that? Because Abraham was promised that his descendants would be blessed. You know, at 100 years old, Abraham didn't have descendants. Let's look at the scripture and see what it says. Romans 4.20. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as, righteousness, as righteous. Because of what? Abraham's faith that God counted him as righteousness, as, as righteous. Was it the time that Abraham went up to the, to the mountain to sacrifice because he was obedient to God that gave him his righteousness? No, it was because of his faith he was considered righteous. Hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. So my, the last point I, I want to bring up is we need to live free, live in freedom. The world is counting on some Christians to live in freedom. So we, oftentimes in America... We think we're living free, but we're not free because we're slave to something. You might not think, that, think this, but some of you are slave to Netflix. That's the truth. I'm here to tell you that. And if you got offended, you're the one. Some of you are slave to Instagram. Some of you are slave to gaming. Some of you are slave to your career. You know, Romans, if you read it, and I, my encouragement for you to... <laughs> Romans 1 through 8, man, it'll rock you. Some of us are slaves. Paul refers to a slave. What is a slave? What's the definition of a slave? Someone who serves at the pleasure of their master. Some of us are slaves to things. We're all slaves to something. We're slaves to sin. My belief is that when you become saved, you have no longer a sin nature, you have a sin-fighting nature. 
because now you know that Jesus Christ has taken that punishment and you know that you need to fight for righteousness. Fight to keep his righteousness. So what does that mean? Well, justification is instant. You're justified the moment you accept Jesus Christ. You're instantly saved. That's our worldview as a Christian. It's fundamental. Fundamental to your Christian faith, your worldview. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you say a simple prayer, you're justified. You should walk around with confidence, not with haughtiness and yeah, I'm saved, look at me. You're dirty, going to hell. Okay. So justification is instant. Sanctification is a process. Many of us get caught in the sanctification process and there's a scripture in Romans that talks about because you've continued to fail to observe the law because you, uh, you fail to meet what the law is asking, because you do that, it's actually used against you. How many of us do that? Because you continually fail, you go, well, I'm not, I'm not righteous. Oh, I question my salvation. Oh, I question my purpose. How many of us do that? Would you be open to admit because you don't always perform, you question things. You question the fact that you were justified. So the moment that you say, before, say Jesus, you are my savior, it's like standing in a courtroom knowing everybody knows that you're guilty. And regardless of all the evidence, oh, regardless of everything that's going to be brought against you, what does it say? That Jesus died on the cross and he's standing at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. Because he came even while we were yet still sinners. Oh, shoot. He came even when you're sinning, he came for you. And so it's like me standing before God and, and I know I deserve judgment. I know I don't deserve to be in his presence because I have simple faith. Not because I can, I've observed all these laws. No, because I just have faith. I just believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. I get to stand before a judge and be declared righteous, not in myself, but in Jesus' righteousness. And so every idle word I say, God's gonna go, I don't see it. I said some crazy things. So the judgment for me and you is actually a reward. It's like, okay, if you don't have salvation, if you don't believe in Jesus, the judgment for you, it's like, you're going to be in there a while. You're going to be in there a while. Because the Bible says they're going to go over every word. That's the beauty of Christ. That's the beauty of his salvation. It's a free gift that I was given for me. And just by my faith. So I can't even boast about it. That allows me to live from this perspective that I can live in freedom. I can live free. I don't have to worry about, man, did I get everything right, God? It doesn't mean I don't work on it. It doesn't mean I trample on the grace. But I can stand confidently going to my friends and going, you know, I, I know things are rough. I know things are tough in life. I know the Bible tells us that life, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart because we have a God that has overcome the world. And if I have this Abrianic, yes, 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 come on, somebody, clap. That's okay. <laughs> clap isn't good. Because if I have this Abrahamic faith that as I grow in life, see, I was justified, Abraham was justified, believing God. Through his life, his faith grew stronger and stronger. Didn't mean Abraham didn't struggle. Didn't mean Abraham didn't have doubts. But at the age of 100, God fulfilled a promise. And I'm just convinced that, man, I just want to live a life that even though I have doubts, even though I fail, that I'm going to be better at 70. I'm going to be better at 100. My faith is going to be stronger at 100. That's Abrahamic faith. <laughs> so we got to live in freedom. 
Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Some of you are in the room asking, well, why don't, you, why don't I have peace in my life? You don't believe you've been made right with God. <laughs> Simple. You don't believe you've been made right with God. You don't believe your salvation is secure. I'm here to tell somebody today, the moment you said yes to Jesus, your salvation is secure. Come on, it's good. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that it helps us in develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence, hope, and salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Verse 6, when he, we are utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. Sinners. Now, most of us people would be willing to die for an upright person, through, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. I don't know why somebody needs to hear that today. I want to finish this. I told you it was a lot of scripture. Finish with Romans 6. So do not let your part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin and said, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument. Somebody say an instrument. I don't know, Mario, play something. Just, yes, yes. Have you been to a symphony before? You take a horn, the horn section, you take the wind section, you take the percussion section. See, one instrument on its own. That's so good. I like it. Saxophone, come on. The sexy sax. <laughs> Saxophone, come on. By itself, beautiful. But you start piecing this thing together. And that's what I believe the body of Christ is like. Imagine if Pearl Street Church looked at that scripture and said, God, I just want to be used as an instrument. What does an instrument do? It serves a purpose. And what is our purpose here on this earth? To live free? And to bring others to that same freedom that we have. But you can't live free if you're stuck in your sin and you're stuck in your unconfidence and in your faith. You can't live free struggling in this area. So imagine if Pearl Street Church was just like, hey God, we're here to be used as instruments. God, some of us are our horn. Some of us are the saxophone, but when you put us all together, man, we, we make this resounding sound. And all we're here to do is bring you glory, God. I'm just convinced, Pearl Street Church, that, man, if we can start doing that, our country, our city would look different. Our country would look different. Our lives would look different. I'm just convinced if we can just be a people that go, it's not by my righteousness, but it's by the righteousness of Jesus Christ that I'm saved. And because of that, I live this life out and I look to be an instrument to be used by God wherever he puts me. It doesn't have to be on a stage. It could be in my workplace. It doesn't have to be on a stage. It could be leading my family. It doesn't have to be on a stage. It could be in my, in my, uh, my coworkers. It could be my, my job, my, my friends. It doesn't have to be on a stage. It's wherever he puts me because I'm willing to be used as an instrument. (laughs) 
for you were dead, but now you have new life, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of grace. Sin is no longer your master. You know what the Bible says? Become a slave to righteousness. Some of you today need to do what Jesus did. Take things to the cross. Some of you need to crucify some things in your life. Some of us need to go to the grave and bury them so that we can walk in this new life. That's what Jesus did. What is that for you today? What do you need to bury? What do you need to to leave at the cross today? I would encourage you to stand to your feet right now and in an attitude of worship and an attitude of where we're at today. This song is all about that He's working in your life. He's moving. And if we could just put ourselves in an attitude that it's, God, you love me and you came for me. You died on a cross for me. I I can walk out of this room today with a new perspective. I can walk out of this room with new life. I can walk out of this room seeing your goodness. I can walk out this room seeing people around me that needs you. Help me be an instrument, God. Come on, can you guys begin to sing? Even when I don't feel it. It was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message. I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith. Man, you are confident here today in, in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer, whatever sphere of influence that you are in. I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.